I'm Lori Zager, and I'm here with my partner, Lisa James. We're 2X Wealth Group. We are a team at Ingalls & Snyder, a registered independent investment advisor. Today, we're going to address something that we wrote in a quarterly letter to our clients. Uh, the title of it is, Trees Don't Grow to the Sky, and Lisa insists that most people don't know what that well, means. I don't know if it's not most, but I asked six people, and six of them said, I don't know what you're talking about. So, it's used a lot in Wall Street, but it's actually not a Wall Street expression, and it basically means just because we have a really strong trend, such as what's going on with the tech stocks, and it gone up a lot, they don't keep going at that rate forever. That's why it's trees don't grow to the sky, even though you might think that trees actually do grow to the sky. Maybe it should be called <laughs> trees don't reach the sky. Maybe that <laughs> would be better. They're in the sky. They grow anyway, towards the yeah, sky. It's, it's, it's often used in Wall Street when something's gone up a lot and people think it's just not going to continue at that rate. In the and future. so the reason we want to talk about it is the S&P continued its rise in the second quarter and the same sectors are leading the charge, technology, communications, and consumer discretionary stocks. And the crazy thing is the top 10 stocks in the market have gone up so much more than the rest of the stock market that the NASDAQ 100 is doing a special rebalance to basically curb the dominance of the what's called the magnificent seven stocks. And those are the stocks we all know that are the largest stocks in the market. Microsoft, Apple, Tesla, Google, Meta, Amazon. And NVIDIA. Right now, those stocks actually account for more than half of the index's weight, which is just a giant overweight for this small number of stocks. And something I learned actually today um, is over 80% of active managers have underperformed the market. And when I started thinking about it, it made sense because mutual fund managers, for example, which are most often active mutual fund managers, they mostly have a diversification rule, which requires them to not be as concentrated and be called diversified. So they couldn't have half of their portfolio in those seven stocks and still be called a diversified mutual fund. So just when you were trying to do something good, you know, it ends up having a problem, like drinking a glass of red wine at night. <laughs> it ends up being bad for you. Right. It seems to me at this point, given how much you've gotten from these seven magnificent stocks, that one of two things has to happen. Either other sectors have got to really start to outperform. The market's got to broaden out, so to speak, and broaden out a lot. Or the whole market's going to go down because it's been so dominated by these seven stocks. We've watched quite a few negative economic indicators, but they've really had no impact on the performance of the S&P 500. So we thought we'd discuss the reasons behind this incredible rally in the face of a fair amount of not so great economic news. Why have you seen the S&P go up so much? What, what are people excited about? One of the things is that artificial intelligence is going to lead to this massive productivity boom. Or so people think. Anything that has artificial intelligence you know, in their name or on their conference call or 
any way associated with them, people get excited about it. <laughs> kind of like dot-com in the 1990s. <laughs> yeah, I was listening that Schlumberger is now being said that they have used artificial intelligence in their oil, in fi- helping find oil. So let's hope it helps. Yeah, I mean, we're not belittling it for certain. AI can add to productivity and people are using chat GPT and idea generation and shorten the time frame for doing certain things. So we're not we're not dismissing it. It's just a, a question of, is it going to be such a big boom that all of these stocks are really worth the prices they're trading at today? Trees don't grow to the sky. Exactly. <laughs> also, there's been a fair amount of liquidity provided by the Treasury, $580 billion. That was done because there was concern about the debt ceiling. And that amount that was put into the system was bigger than the liquidity being taken away by the Fed as they were letting their balance sheet run off. They, they took out about $300 billion. So more money in the financial system usually leads to rising equity markets. Another important reason for the market going up is that the consumer price index has really fallen dramatically faster than people expected. Even people that did think it was going to come down didn't think it was going to go from over 9% in 2022 to actually only 3% in June of 2023. But the market's ignoring that the Fed's preferred measure of inflation, which is different than the CPI, it's called the PCE, it is not easing. In fact, it's gone up a little bit. And I don't know, anybody that's gone to the gas station or gone to the grocery store or done anything, I think, has experienced a man on the ground at higher inflation. The other thing that's really helped the market is that some of the sectors are reporting better than expected earnings. Now, you could say this is a little bit of a, a game because earnings expectations have been lowered quite a bit, but consumer discretionary technology and housing companies have reported some pretty good numbers, and there's a couple of reasons for why this is happening. Consumers really drive the economy, and people in the United States have jobs. Uh, Employment continues to go up, and consumer balance sheets are flush with cash, and that means that they can continue to spend, and and they are spending. It's shifted. It's shifted from spending on goods to spending more on travel and restaurants and other types of services, but The spending is continuing, and consumer spending is about two-thirds of the U.S. GDP. So that's very meaningful. The housing market is tight, and the problem is there's a dearth of existing homes. After the we overbuilt in the 08-09 time frame, that ended, and people are forming families and wanting to buy homes, and there haven't been as many homes built. So You have a lack of new houses and people that are in their existing homes don't want to sell them. And another reason they don't want to sell them is they may have a very low mortgage rate that if they were to go out and buy something now, just on the, you know, the mortgage expense would be twice as much as what they're currently paying. So people are kind of sitting there saying that they'll just stay in their their homes. Exactly. Another thing that's really affecting the market is uh, lower commodity prices. So 
if gas prices go down, lumber prices go down, et cetera, these are all the input prices that go into things like technology, semiconductors use energy, builders use wood and other materials. So when these prices are lower, it makes companies more profitable, like that they can keep their price that they sell their product at the same and their input prices go down. That that's a great benefit for companies. And then lastly, there's there's FOMO, which is fear of missing out. And those of you that know me know that I don't have an ounce of FOMO in me. <laughs> I guess we still think there's a likelihood of a recession. Really the best indicator of recessions has been an inverted yield curve but the timing of when that can lead to recessions you know it can it can take quite a while yeah and the other thing is that if you look at past history the stock market can stage a, a giant rally right into the beginning of an economic downturn and if you listen to federal reserve chair powell he often says that the economy reacts to the Fed tightening, and the Fed has tightened a lot, raising interest rates and letting bonds roll off in their portfolio, that the economy reacts with long and variable lags. He's probably said that about a hundred times since they started raising rates. So while we have these signs, the signs aren't about what's going to happen tomorrow. It's about what's going to happen eventually in the future. And often it can take 12 to 18 months after the Fed has been tightening for a recession to occur. And one thing a lot of people don't know about is that the majority of recessions are caused by the Federal Reserve tightening because what they're trying to do is slow down the economy so they can bring down inflation. And this recession might not, if if we have a recession, it might not come in as quickly as people think because we had an enormous reaction to COVID. We had a lot of stimulus and a lot of cash being put into the system. And, and there's been a giant bounce back of the economy and that's been so strong, it's gonna take more to curb it. And the Fed is saying they will. They're gonna raise they're rates serious. again in July. So you know, it's not like they're stopping here. So really the consumers, they have jobs and their balance sheets are flush with cash. So that means that they can continue to spend. And that's something you haven't really gone into, you know, other uh, difficult times with. Or And on top of that, companies, they refinance much of their debt when rates were low. So they don't need to raise money at current high interest rates. And they can use the cash that they've got on their balance sheet or their low, relatively low debt levels to purchase equipment, their own stock, or buy other companies. So even though it hasn't happened yet, we do think it will happen. And I guess, you know, if you wait long enough, anything can happen. Yeah. But it just seems to us that, you know, just because the market is going up doesn't mean that we aren't going to have a recession. But, you know, if you look at what market prognosticators are having to say about the the timing of any recession, uh, I mean, there are some people who think we'll have a soft landing and no recession will occur. But a lot of people think it's probably later into the fourth quarter of this year or the first quarter of 2024. And right now, The market is having a very strong rally and it's broadening out to include more stocks. So 
while that's happening, you know, people go along for the ride. So I don't think we're going to really see a reversal until we get some negative news. And the question is, what's going to, you know, what's going to cause that? Is it going to be continued rates, rate hikes from the Federal Reserve? Is it going to be a problem on the commercial real estate business, at least, and I were talking about earlier in this country? I mean, Especially, they, yes. Yeah, they've <laughs> got them. Yeah, which is a problem for the banks. Yeah, not return to work has not really been strong enough to help the commercial real estate companies because they still don't have enough occupancy of offices. That's going to be a problem. I mean, in San Francisco, we've had horrendous problems in downtown San Francisco where where we live. You know, one of the biggest malls on Market Street, which is a pretty famous street here in San Francisco, is. I guess what they they are going bankrupt. Isn't yeah, that correct? Yeah, a lot of businesses have pulled out. In fact, yeah, the, Old Navy and yeah. Nordstrom that were, you know, were anchor tenants are gone. Two of the biggest hotel complexes have just abandoned. You know, said they weren't going to pay on their note anymore. So I, I know a lot of people here in town are very negative on San Francisco and are very um, concerned, including a young friend of mine. I sent him something today. Today, it's been like, I don't know, I think, oh, it's 10 year, the 10 year anniversary of when Detroit defaulted on its debt. And so I sent him the article from a, a news publication and I said, San Francisco will come back, but it could take, it could take a decade. Yes, but we've been through this before and we have come back before. But I do think that San Francisco gets a pretty bad rap also because of the homeless situation. And sometimes I feel like it's a little overdone because I seem to find myself going to other cities where there are homeless Portland, issues. Oregon, so, uh, you know, I'm not sure that San Francisco deserves quite as uh, much attention as it, as it deserves. Nationwide issue. Um, so anyway, we are cautious on the market. We are invested, but... <laughs> The last thing I want to do is throw a ton of money into the market to watch to head right into a downturn. And the indicators are still pretty negative out there. The yield curve remains deeply inverted. And that's actually related to a, um, a statistic that is provided uh, by the New York Fed. Um, and it's, it's considered the probability of recession in the US 12 months ahead. Uh, this is a great chart that we have in our blog and it shows that based on this probability, the, the number is actually close to 71% probability of a recession. So, I mean, it has predicted pretty well most of the recessions that we've gone into and certainly at 80%. It has always led to a recession. So, you know, things can always be different, but we don't think it's highly likely. Money supply is measured by M2, is still shrinking. You've got corporate profits on a trailing basis peaked in the second quarter of 2022. That's as measured by the national income and product accounts. And third quarter 2022 is when it peaked according to the S&P. Bank lending standards are tightening. It's harder for people to get money to grow their business or buy a house or, you know, whatever it is they might need a loan for. And when this happens, it's usually associated with future job losses. As you know, you've had stock prices going up and you've had 
earnings, although they're beating expectations, they're not going up. As we just said, earnings corporate profits actually peaked either in the second or third quarter, depending on which service you're listening to. So the reason why stocks have have gotten gone up or gotten more expensive is because of multiple expansions. So people are paying more for any set given amount or set amount of earnings. And that tends to be a riskier market environment. Absolutely. If if earnings were going up and multiples were kind of staying the same, you'd say, well, that makes sense because the company is making more money. But if earnings aren't going anywhere and the price is going up, you're saying, well, I'm just now paying um, more for every dollar of earnings than I was last year, which is basically what's happening. The problem is, do you really want to throw your mo- all your money into the market right as you may be going into recession? Yeah, and the, and the problem is that stocks usually bottom in the middle of a recession, not, not even be- the beginning, not, and, and definitely not, be- not before. before. Yeah. So given that it looks like we're going to have a recession, and according to the New York Fed's probability, the chances are at 70.9%, we just want to have a little bit on the sidelines. Now, we've also said, and we'll see if we end up being right about this, that inflation is going to be slow to fall further because of tight labor world, uh, labor markets in the world and also because of deglobalization trends. And, and we'll just have to see. Let me just say that. We'll just have to see whether we're right. People think prices are higher partly because we had so much inflation in 22 Inflation was 9%. If they go to the grocery store, I think grocery store inflation was, you know, in the teens. So they go to the grocery store, even if we had zero inflation this year, they would still be noticing the the 12% increase that happened in 22. But really what's going on is we had a big move. Everything seems expensive. But in 2023, in fact, inflation has now fallen to 3%. So it's not like... Prices are going up in the same leaps and bounds that they've gone before, but they aren't going down either. They're just increasing at a slower pace, you know, more like 3%. Uh, And so that's noticeable, but obviously not nearly as much as last year. And on that note, we have an interesting chart in our blog that show that lower energy prices are really the big reason why the CPI has come down so much. Not included in the ex-food and energy part of the CPI, but the regular, if you just look at the CPI itself, the biggest reason why the CPI has come down is because of energy costs. And and what we would say about that is, uh, watch out, it's just that you know there's been a concern on our part about supply. Um, the IEA last week just to raise their forecasts of demand and set prices going up, and the IEA is always too low in terms of their demand assumptions. And, uh, you know, we've had very, very warm winters, which have been good. Now we'll see how bad these hot summers are for energy prices. They aren't good for energy prices. It's just something the Fed can't control. And so um, they can try and put the brakes on as much as they want to, but they can't really control energy prices. They can control a bit of the demand, but as we've talked about, a lot of the demand these days is for energy uh, is coming from outside the developed countries. 
and places like China and even developed countries like Germany, who have decided to decommission their nuclear plants, are burning coal which I would argue is even worse for the environment. So we'll close with another commonly used market expression, which is don't fight the Fed. A lot of market experts are concerned that the Fed's going to ultimately harm the economy by pursuing their goal of lowering inflation to 2%. And historically, when the Fed tightens dramatically, a recession typically follows. And while this one seems to be taking quite a long time because of all of the stimulus that's left over from the pandemic, there's still a fairly high likelihood that a recession will once again be created by the Fed. So as we've said, our portfolios have a bit of a value bend and uh, we are underweight the tallest trees. That's all for now. Please feel free to reach out with any comments or questions. You can reach us on our website at 2xwealth.ingles.net or email us, lori at 2xwealth.ingles.net or lisa at 2xwealth.ingles.net. Until next time.